Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Apple's answered the echo. Pebble's do-anything button called Core. And Belkin and Up Honor are in like Finn. All that plus my conversation with John Calgas, the CTO of Centralite, on this week's Smart Up Show. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, Mike Wolf here. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. Today's guest is John Calagas, the CTO of Centralite. Centralite is one of those companies that you may not hear a lot about, but they are everywhere when it comes to Smart Home. They make and manufacture hardware products. They create a lot of the software clients that go on these products for companies like SmartThings or Lowe's, Iris, etc. And so John's uh, tuned in pretty much with a lot of what's going on with Smart Home. And so we talk about that. We talk about their effort to actually create consumer-facing products as well. Before we get into that, though, let's just quickly, very quickly go over the news. A lot happened this past week. I just wanted to very briefly give a couple of thoughts and opinions, nothing too in-depth. After this past week, we just came off a couple interesting conferences in San Francisco. We had connections. We had the Twilio event, which is an interesting event, which John and I talk about. I also went to the IoT Consortium's first meeting of the year. That was fun. Kind of a who's who of what's going on. In IoT and smart home, so that was fun. Got kind of plugged in there. But a lot of news happened, including rumors of a new Apple device that looks like an answer to the Amazon Echo. This follows on the week from the week after Google Home's announcement at Google I.O. So it seems as if everyone, including the very, very big guys, are getting into the voice interface side of things for the connected home following Amazon's lead, which Google gave a hat tip to as helping to kind of as helping to create this market, which is kind of them. But what do I think of Apple's answer to the Echo? Well, right now, it's just, quite frankly, it's rumors. That should be first and foremost noted. And oftentimes, rumors aren't one for one of what we ultimately see when they have their Worldwide Developers Conference, which they're having in June. We are in the middle of rumor season for Apple. Oftentimes, you'll see a lot of stuff starting to get leaked uh, before the big event in June. They always have their big event in June. But what is interesting about this is a couple things. One, I think they're finally looking for a physical manifestation for Siri in the home that isn't a phone. I think that's good. Um, we have heard rumors of a camera going on this thing, so it makes me wonder if it could be some sort of uh, device that also does some sort of recognition of people, maybe home monitoring and just home awareness. But also, quite honestly, the camera could be used for something like contextual experiences, much like voice is, is being used increasingly in the home for commands and control of the smart home. Imaging can do the same thing. Imaging can allow people, or at least the, the smart enough to know who's there. If it's a dog, if it's a baby, and create contextualized, targeted experiences. So I wonder if Apple's thinking along those lines. Who knows? Quite honestly, I think it's too early. I do think it's interesting to see Apple effectively become a fast follower. That was a, kind of a, the focus of a piece I wrote this past week, creating devices uh, they used to be the one that often was kind of leading the market. It seems like at least in the smart home, they still are feeling their way a little bit. You know, we've seen over the past few years, HomeKit hasn't really realized its potential, I think. I think a lot of other people think this as well. And now they're coming out this device. Ultimately, they may create the most amazing 
smart home appliance device with voice and visual recognition that we've ever seen. I mean, you can't ever rule out Apple to do something like this. But it is interesting to kind of see them coming from this place of uh, following the lead of other companies. It's just kind of an interesting thing to observe. Marco Arment, one of my favorite bloggers, he was the guy, the lead developer for Tumblr, wrote two weeks ago about how Apple is falling behind in the space race for things like AI and machine learning relative to Google, who's been working on this stuff for years. I agree to a certain, to a certain extent, and I, I talked about that in the post. Uh, I'll have the, the link in the show notes. I do think, though, Apple has been quietly acquiring machine learning companies over the past year or two. There are a couple ones that they've done around image recognition, for example. So I don't think they're completely ignoring this market. So it'll be interesting to see if they roll some of these technologies in to whatever they offer at WWDC, whatever they announce there. It'll be interesting to watch. Another interesting piece of news this past week was a thing that a lot of people didn't see as smart home news. But I, of course, oftentimes think uh, in terms of like smart home context, but also just more broadly consumer IoT and how it all interacts together. And I don't know if you know this, I'm a fan of Pebble. Uh, I'm wearing a Pebble watch right now. I backed it on Kickstarter. And they came out with their newest line of smartwatches. They announced it. They're doing their third major Kickstarter campaign. They always seem to break records every time they do one. But what was real interesting about this latest announcement, they not only announced their new generation of smartwatches, they also announced a new thing called Core, which a lot of people and a lot of the, the, the popular bloggers wrote about as being you know, basically Pebble getting into the fitness tracker game. But actually, Core is a lot more than this. Core is really pretty interesting. It's this small device that can be hooked onto your keychain, for example. It has Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and GPS built in. It also has uh, the ability to use 3G if you get a small SIM card for it. And with that SIM card, you can do anywhere streaming of services. They have The Core actually comes in two flavors as well. There's Core for runners, essentially. And then there's one called Core for hackers, which they're opening up an SDK and allowing people to create interesting things with it. But also, it has two buttons on it, two do-anything buttons. And you guys have heard me talk about the do-anything button. I, you know, I really will have started to like this idea of just kind of the button-like flick or, or of course, the, the IoT button for anything from Amazon. But also, think about a button that you could just take with you is on your keychain. Um, it could be thrown in your pocket has this type of connectivity and you could push it to engage any sort of service that you could stream to your phone or engage any sort of smart home action. I just think that's really kind of interesting. So whatever this becomes, I, I'm going to keep my eye on it. I think you should too. It could be a button that you program to, to call Uber. Um, it could be just a little device that holds media for you because it has four gigabytes of onboard storage. But again, it also has all this connectivity. So I think it's going to be a pretty interesting thing to watch. I think it's a nice diversification play for Pebble, which has quite a, you know, lost a little bit of the early shine it had as being, I think, the early leader of smartwatches as Samsung and, and Apple have come out with their smartwatches. I think it's a nice diversification play for them. We saw uh, over a year ago, Misfit get into smart home by announcing kind of a more strange thing with their lighting attempt. They have since got acquired. I don't know where that is at this point, but I think this is actually a more natural play for someone like a Pebble to come out with one of these interesting uh, hyper-connected little appliances that has onboard storage as well as the ability to kind of stream services to and have two physical buttons to engage services or create actions or set actions into motion. Uh, Keep an eye on that. Another piece of news, Eero, 
a maker of a whole home Wi-Fi system, reliant on mesh networking, got another $50 million funding round. They also announced in conjunction with this announcement that their product will be selling at Best Buy. And if, if 2016 wasn't the year of the interface and voice recognition and virtual assistants, I'd have to call it the year of Wi-Fi. <laughs> uh, 2005 is coming back around again. 2004, Wi-Fi is interesting again. That's because people are rethinking what the router is and maybe thinking, hey, maybe we don't need this centralized point of failure around our Wi-Fi in the home. Wi-Fi sucks, particularly in big households. You always have dead spots no matter how many advancements you get in things like advanced antenna technology like MIMO. So why not create this mesh network? And so I think it's a smart approach. Uh, there's other companies like Luma, of course, uh, going into this market. There's other companies like uh, Almond rethinking the router. So it's it's a really interesting time uh, with regards to the home router space. And also what's interesting in relation to this story is just this past week, uh, the, the head of Comcast's smart home division, Daniel Herskovici, got up and talked about how they are planning to use the home router itself as the platform for smart home. You know, I've been calling uh, for the router as a good way to, or a good platform to out, out of which kind of absorb smart home fun- hub functionality. And it looks like Comcast is starting to think that way as well. So uh, just a lot of things going on within the, the home folks around the different types of premise devices. What is the beachhead for smart home? Uh, this will be an interesting one to watch. And the last piece of news, very quickly before we get to our interview with John Calagas, Belkin, a company that has been in the smart home for the last few years through Wemo. Uh, there had been rumors over the past couple months, kind of just rumors of something happening with Belkin. I was wondering if they're going to get acquired, if they're looking for funding. As it turns out, they'd actually announced a joint venture this past week with a company called Oponer out of Finland. I think that's how you say it, U-P-O-N-O-R. I hope I'm saying it right. The joint venture is called Finn, P-H-Y-N. And the idea behind the company is to create basically an intelligent water solution that protects families and their homes from leak damage and enable, I'm reading a quote here, enables mindful conservation and enhances household water usage with, automat- with automated and anticipatory controls. Basically, it's a, it's a joint venture for smart water is what it is. I actually think this is smart. I actually think water as a resource and as, as a water is a, uh, an area to which applied smart technology has largely been underserved. We focused on energy management a lot, uh, partly because there's a lot of focus from the U.S. government here. Uh, and obviously in Europe, on energy management and uh, the big move towards smart grid over the past decade, uh, I think we we all had all that, but we largely ignored what is becoming an increasing problem with uh, the scarcity of water. So I think this is actually a smart move. I've seen and been watching companies developing some technologies around smart water. Uh, I We just published a report here at Next Market about smart irrigation. You can find that on our website at Next Market if you're interested about that, but I also get a free uh, – Executive summary for that report, if you're interested for that about that. I think it's a smart move overall. Uh, I'm interested to see where that goes. All right, folks, that's all the news for now. Uh, as always, if you want to listen to more Smart Home Shows, you can find us in your favorite podcast app. You can also find us at technology.fm, where we have all the shows archived, as well as other great podcasts around the Smart Home, like Home Tech FM, as well as the Home On podcast. So check those out. Subscribe to all the great podcasts. And I hope you enjoy your long weekend, if you're listening to this on the long weekend here in the U.S. So enjoy that. And enjoy this conversation with John Calgas of Centralite. You guys are based in in Mobile, Alabama, right? 
tech capital of the world. Are you back in town? Are you back in? <laughs> I am. Okay. You got I back. You did. Here. You did the West Coast swing, uh, and you did, you double dipped. You did connections and Twilio. I saw those were both at the same time, and I thought hardcore IoT guys would probably do both because Twilio is an interesting company. We in the smart home oftentimes think of connections a lot of times for conferences, but Twilio's have their had their conference, and they actually announced they're going public. I think at, the, at their conference, right? They did. They filed their S one. So let's let's real briefly. Uh, Go down what you saw, if anything, interesting at both, and then I want to talk about the news, and then we're going to hear a little bit about Centralite. So real quickly, tell me what you saw at Twilio. Well, Twilio was pretty interesting. We, uh, as a company, use Twilio to uh, send text messages with multiple different uh, systems we have. And one of the interesting things about Twilio is Twilio has always been a communication company and enabling communications programmatically. However, one thing that they announced is their partnership with T-Mobile. And it sort of piqued my interest because what that allowed a, a, a company to do is really easily connect via cell. And I think in not only in the smart home, but in the industrial and agricultural uh, portions of IoT, it's really important uh, not just what the data is, but how to get the data out. In a lot of places, you don't have Wi-Fi or you don't have a broadband connection and cellular is the only option. However, the cellular plans right now are really meant for the typical cell phone, so voice and video. But what you're not having is you're not having, you know, a, a market to where you can easily put low data rate devices like a door sensor or a motion sensor or even a thermostat that doesn't provide a lot of information, um, but the information it provides is very critical. And now with Twilio and T-Mobile, you're able to transport that data via cellular at a pretty uh, competitive price. Yeah, for those in the smart home and consumer IoT space who don't know about Twilio, you know, they've been a really interesting company. You know, four or five years ago, they were basically just calling themselves a cloud communications company, and they weren't really strong on the IoT messaging. But in the last two years, they've really gone heavily in that direction. I think it, I always kind of saw them that they could really have an interesting place around cloud-based messaging and, and things-based messaging because they, they're pretty unique and, and now they're, they're going public. So I think it's, they've been an interesting one, interesting company to watch. They also, um, uh, are you familiar with the, the company Magic Leap or Leap Magic or oh, yeah. one of the, yep. So their CEO also did a keynote and they also announced that they are doing the communications for that company and 10 Twilio developers are going to be the first 10 developers on that platform. So I think that was pretty exciting. That was a very exciting technology. And now it sort of, you know, gives other people outside of the company the ability to, to touch and feel it, but sort of virtually. Now, I know you went to Connections for only half a day. You're mostly in customer meetings. But what was, if anything, you heard, of, uh, what was the buzz in the hallways? What was kind of the general talk of the show, if anything? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the, the majority of what I heard was sort of about the, the announcements, you know, earlier where the, you know, Google Home was announced. And you also have the, the rumors of Apple sort of creating an Amazon Echo clone. And also the Amazon Echo, it's doing a lot more than what it was originally intended to do. Yeah, I think they announced a thousand skills at the show, so they, that was kind of a good milestone for them. Google right. Home was actually announced last week at, at Google I/O, um, and just in time to head into connections for people to be all buzz about that. And then uh, you're right, this week the rumors 
uh, shot up uh, on the information. The information had a scoop about the rumors about Apple creating essentially an Echo clone. We heard the news today that it might have a camera, so it could be one of those kind of smart home security-like appliances, like maybe Canary with maybe some voice recognition. Who knows what this thing's going to morph into? Um, so there's a lot of interest around particularly voice as an interface and then AI as an interaction layer. So talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts. I'd love to hear you. When, when you heard about Google Home, for example, did this make sense? I mean, I've been waiting for Google to do more, and it seemed like uh, they were basically being lapped by Amazon with Echo. So it, does, it didn't surprise me last week when you heard about Google Home. What were your initial thoughts? Well, I, I, I agree with you totally. It didn't surprise me. Um, I hope that they waited long enough to um, actually be able to ship it and, and make it worthwhile. I think that they are taking some of the limitations of Amazon Echo and trying to do it better. I think that, you know, I have, I have not personally dealt with the the cognitive sort of speech analysis, but they're saying that it might be better than the Amazon Echo. Um, typically, Echo works well for me, but it doesn't necessarily work for everybody. Uh, and, you know, the, the key that I took away from it is it's just another input device. And as Centralite, you know, not only do we provide devices that can be controlled and information gathered from them, but we also provide a way to control them via an API. And these input devices are perfect ways to allow more people more and easier access to our devices. Yeah, you guys are kind of in a unique position where you're an, really an enabling technology company, helping other companies bring their products to market. And so... Um, when you have one of these kind of hero interface products like a Google Home or an Amazon Echo, um, it probably ultimately provides more opportunities for you. Because, you know, as we saw at CES this last year, everyone wanted to do their Amazon Echo integration from Vivint to, you know, you name it. People were proudly putting out press releases about, hey, hey, this work, we now work with Amazon Echo. Um, to make all that work together, the company like Amazon obviously has to potentially put out some software development kits and open up an API, but you guys can help along with that path as well. Yeah. So what, what we've done is we've launched a uh, sort of a developer framework is the way I would like to put it. It's, uh, the uh, name is Jillia. And what that does is um, it'll, you know, the IOT is this, this massive general term. And what people don't understand is everything's not Wi-Fi. And so in order to get a door sensor to last a couple of years on a battery, right now you're using other technologies like Zigbee or Z-Wave or even Bluetooth Low Energy. And the problem is that, you know, besides Bluetooth, you don't have ways to talk directly to them with the average consumer interface device, whether it's a cell phone or whether it's a, a PC or even the web. And so what you're needing to do is you have to communicate some, somehow through another device. And right now, that device is typically a uh, a gateway or a hub, which is right now one of the necessary evils. And so what we've done is we've created an agent, and that agent is purely software-based, and it allows you know any company as a manufacturer to put it onto whatever their device is and enables that bridging of these multiple different technologies. We also now allow companies that are not necessarily embedded companies or manufacturers are more like service level companies. Like you could have a very large uh, plumbing service that wants to get information from water sensors. Well, they're not going to have embedded engineers 
on staff to do that. So what we've done is we've abstracted all of that low-level technology, in our case at Zigbee for our water sensors, and abstracted it out to where they now can communicate with these devices with people they already have on staff. You might not think of it, but a large plumbing service does have web developers on staff. They have developers that do their back-end truck routing. And, you know, a simple notification from a water sensor, in our in the Jillia case, we do it via WebSockets. So now a developer that is already on staff at this plumbing company can instantly get a notification when a water sensor is wet, instantly look up the location of the house, know that they have a truck five minutes away, and instead of waiting on that customer to come home and see that there's a water leak or waiting for that customer to come home and maybe call that plumber or maybe not, they now have a qualified lead so that they can come in and, you know, uh, service that leak. And these are companies that are not necessarily thought of as a platform company or a smart home company. We are now enabling them to become that. You guys would work directly with service level providers. Um, they might be, like you said, like a, a company that focuses on truck rolls out to the a house to do something like plumbing or, or, or water leaks. Maybe it's a utility. But you also have done some white label work for some consumer facing brands. I think the most prominent one, you know, lately, at least I've heard of is Lowe's with Iris 2. I think you guys had some work with that. Talk a little bit about your work with some of these consumer facing smart home products. Sure. So with, uh, with Lowe's and with smart things, and we even do some devices for the, the cable industry working on the eye control platform. With those, we are the device manufacturers and we are the, um, you know, we create not only the design, but also the firmware running on it. So we have all the capabilities in house to certify all these devices. So when we do this, we're able to, you know, easily turn a new product that might be white labeled as somebody else's, but guaranteed to be certified and work with multiple other platforms. That's the key. That's what we're seeing right now is it doesn't necessarily matter that Centralite is creating these devices for multiple different companies. It's the fact that they're creating it based on a standard. So you can go to Lowe's, pick up a, you know, Lowe's door sensor and then put it on a smart things up. And Lowe's is okay with that. You know, for them, it's, it's a sell. And so the fact that, you know, the, the technology, you know, interoperability is a big catchphrase and it's a very generic phrase. And so in our case, Zigbee has been very difficult because there's been multiple different versions of Zigbee. But now we're able to, you know, talk to these devices much easier because of the certification process. But we're still given that flexibility to do manufacturer specific stuff. So as a manufacturer, we're able to add our little value adds and not break certification. So one platform might use a feature of a device, one one platform might not. You know, one of the confusing things when I was trying to understand what you guys did was you're not a one-for-one necessarily comparison with uh, someone like Alert Me, which is now part of British Gas, or someone like, like Zonoff. You guys tend to focus more, it seems like, on the on the client side um, and don't necessarily have an operational cloud that a company would, you know, have running their smart home you kind of running instructions, instructions, doing cloud to cloud integration. It's more around uh, your cloud is focused on a, a developer as a developer product. Exactly. And that's where, you know, we've done this for uh, Centralite's, you know, 18, 19 years old right now. And we've done this for a long time on the hardware side and the software side. People don't realize that, but we're always behind the scenes. And so even though, you know, Jillia is a software product, 
it's still behind the scenes of, you know, some of these companies, uh, you know, their platforms. Uh, so, and I'm not saying smart things are lows or any of those, they have their own platforms, but some of our, uh, customers that are not necessarily known for smart home, they're using Jillia as their basis for their platform. And so it is cloud-based. It does handle a lot of the, the different scenarios that we talk about, like when it comes to smart home, like rules and uh, authentication and all that. It does do that. It's just, it's behind the scenes. And so, and that's sort of the segue into why I was at the Twilio conference is Twilio is very similar. You know, when you think of Uber, you don't think Twilio, but I do. Because when Uber wants to send a text message, they do it through Twilio. There's no reason that an end user needs to understand Twilio, just like there's no reason an end user needs to understand Jilia. But that developer that's creating it, he knows what Jilia is. So talk a little bit about uh, Central Light putting putting out their own consumer-facing products. You know, you guys have been around it since the 90s. I think you were founded by a, a father-son team. Right. Uh, and I had always kind of seen you as a, a behind-the-scenes company. And, you know, and your profile slowly been raised up as you come out with things like Jilia. But I never thought of you as a consumer products company, but that's starting to change. Talk about your strategy there. Sure. Well, one of the things that you'll notice uh, is we, we recently changed our website. Um, we also offered a very, uh, you know, small online store. And some of the, you know, we, we get calls all the time. Where can I find this? Where can I find this? Where can I find this? And, you know, we are doing the, okay, what platform are you on? Or what, what you know, all the, all the tech support for it. So, you know, why not offer a, uh, the ability for a consumer, whether they know who Centralite is or not, can easily go to either centralite.com or, you know, on Amazon and buy it because eventually everybody's going to understand what works with what. We're not there yet, but it's going to take things, you know, these type of things for people to start understanding it. So for us, the simple devices, a lamp module or an appliance module or a thermostat, is something a lot of people want to get started. And you know, some of our customers, our platform customers, they don't yet support some of the devices. We have well over 30 devices, but if you look at some of the platforms, they don't, you don't see 30 Centralite devices. And so what this is enabling is this is enabling the smart things customer that, you know, doesn't want a Honeywell or a Nest thermostat, just wants a very simple battery operated thermostat to run against smart things. And now, you know, it, you can go to centralite.com soon on Amazon, uh, you know, to buy the Pearl thermostat. And this is a thermostat that is understood as a, a standard thermostat. So the person that's replacing their, you know, standard white round thermostat or whatever, they might not have a common wire. They might not understand that, you know, it has to steal power or you need the 24 volts consistently to run that big LCD screen. They just want a thermostat that they can turn up and down. And so with the Pearl, it can run two years totally on batteries. And so we're able to now provide that in a means to consumers that want it. We're not necessarily pushing it, but if consumers call in and they want it, we now have a place for them to go to buy it. Yeah, that common wire was the the thing that made me take a couple extra hours of my Ecobee installation that I wasn't <laughs> yeah. expecting. Talk about Zigbee. Now, you guys, um, it seems like Zigbee is making a, a – I want to be cautious about this uh, – a slight <laughs> s- kind of slow comeback, I think partly because 
they figured out their software profile story. That has always been the bugaboo for them. And it seems like they are, they finally figured it out with the ZB, the home automation profile. So talk about what you're seeing there. Sure. So we have been a Zigbee shop from, you know, day one. He just might wasn't called Zigbee back then. It was 802.15.4. And we actually wrote our own first Zigbee stack, which we learned we quickly do not want to be in charge of that. Um, but the technology is great. And the, the concept back then was great. The implementation of the profiles, I think, should have been a little bit better. And it was done with multiple different companies and multiple different silicon manufacturers. So they didn't have the knowledge they have now. And we stuck with Zigbee. We, we did not instantly shoot over to a company like, you know, Z-Wave or whatever. We built some Z-Wave products, but, you know, Z-Wave was easier at the time. We didn't take that easy route because we wanted to do some things that were different. And Z-Wave did not allow us to do that at the time. And so, you know, we stuck, stuck to Zigbee. It was 16 channels. You know, everything was constantly moving, so you can switch switch uh, channels on the fly. Um, the only downside was not everybody was using it because it was a little bit more difficult. And since everybody wasn't using it, there wasn't that whole, you know, mass market adoption in the industry. And so you sort of had to do proprietary stuff, which was considered at the time negative. And what's happening now is manufacturers like ourselves are, you know, we're putting our input in. And Zigbee is listening. And so now what you're seeing is Zigbee 3.0, which not only takes into consideration some of the, the, uh, commissioning issues that were, you know, presented a while back, but it also sort of gets away from that profile ID. And so now, and I, I think I gave this quote a while back, but Zigbee is just Zigbee. And that's what it needs to be. You don't need to be saying what type of Zigbee. Zigbee is Zigbee. If, and if that logo becomes synonymous, then it becomes synonymous. If it becomes like USB or like Wi-Fi, then I think they've hit a home run. And until that happens, um, you're still going to have people sort of questioning whether or not it'll work with this Zigbee company, work with this Zigbee company, or even will an internal product within one company work with another internal product of that same company. Um, hopefully those days are, are you know, slowing. Uh, the number of those days are slowing down. Which is good. I mean, I'm glad to see that they finally got that figured out. Um, but also it comes at the same time with Thread, which is kind of interesting uh, in itself. It's having an interesting year. Nest announced their open sourcing of their version of Thread. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I – because you guys – Well, I, I don't think they open sourced their version of Thread. They open sourced – a version of a thread. version of thread. Correct. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> but you guys work off eight hundred two dot one five dot four. Have you? Would it make it fairly easy for you guys to move to thread? And have you guys thought about? Oh, that? yeah, absolutely. Actually, at CES, we had six thread devices. Okay. And they uh, again, we were behind the scenes. So if you saw a thread demo at CES, odds are it had something to do with Centralite on the back end. And what is the and what is the interest there among product manufacturers? Is there a lot of interest in putting thread in their hard in their products? Only if they figure out the application layer. That's the only way it's going to be enticing to us. Because what we're th even though Thread fixes some of the problems with on the low-level network stack, they're at the same point that Zigbee was what six years ago with all these you know instead of all these different profiles, they just they're just not having a profile, and so. You know, you're going to, a thermostat is no longer just a thread thermostat. It's going to be a thread thermostat made by Centralite or a thread thermostat made by Nest or, you know, there's no application 
layer that says what a thermostat is. And they are working on that. And I think there's a couple of different, um, you know, application layers that they're looking at. I know they partnered with Zigbee, which was interesting. They, uh, for the ZCL or the application layer to possibly put on top of thread. They also are looking at, um, things like IOTivity and some other, you know, protocols like that so that there is an application layer. And we've been sort of screaming at the top of our lungs from the get-go on thread is there has to be an application layer for it to work as advertised. Do you, as a CTO of uh, Central Light, you're, you know, you're kind of down in the weeds on this. Do you think IOTivity could be uh, maybe a horizontal application layer across some of these different wireless stacks? It, it could be, absolutely. Is it right now? I don't know. But I think it could. That be. seems like a nice and, hole to fill. Someone should plug that hole. <laughs> yeah, and, and well, and, that, and that's one thing that you know definitely Jilly is doing. And you know, not only are we enabling the developers, which is our end goal, is to enable developers to do what, what they want. I mean, we we don't know what developers want. They're going to create some really cool things. We're doing tons of hackathons um, right now with very large customers or our companies that are using Jilly as their their ways to get data into their cloud. And so with Jillia, you know, we're protocol, we're brand, and we're technology agnostic. Now, the hardware that you're running it off of might only have three of those radios on it, but doesn't mean we can't support thread. Doesn't mean we can't support, you know, whatever the new Bluetooth mesh is of the day. Um, you know, it enables us to do that, and we're enabling two separate technologies to communicate with each other. You know, we have a thread door sensor turning on a Zigbee light. We have a thread door sensor turning on a Z-Wave light. The user should not care the technology, you know, underneath it. We're next on your consumer-facing products. I know that you're primarily Zigbee-centric um, on the thermostat that has Zigbee. I'm curious why or if you're going to have Wi-Fi on that. And then also your power plugs as well. Those are the other two products. Can we expect to see maybe some new categories of products? Yeah, absolutely you can. The, again, the technology for us is not that important, or it should not be that important. And for right now, we're choosing Zigbee. Uh, it does not mean that Wi-Fi is not going to be on there. It doesn't mean that both of them are not going to be on there. So a thermostat with both would be a very ideal hub uh, replacement, or a lamp module, or an appliance module. Um, if you have both on there, then you can have that you know necessary evil that's not necessarily thought of as an evil anymore. Um, but we, you know, Wi-Fi is definitely not against, you know, anything in our culture. If Wi-Fi had an application layer, then devices would certainly, more devices would certainly more, uh, more devices would certainly have it. And as we get to lower power on the chipsets, we're able to put it in other devices. Um, but yeah, you will, and to answer your second part, you will see more device types coming out on the consumer brand. Um, like I said, we have over 30 different devices and only three of them are online right now uh you will see a lot more coming and it does make sense now that you you, you mentioned it the fact that you guys are battery powered wi-fi would significantly decrease that two-year lifespan <laughs> so that makes <laughs> yeah. a lot of sense uh talk a little bit about uh i don't want to be neil young here i'm not going to disparage <laughs> alabama uh but you know mobile alabama doesn't strike me as like the tech capital of the world so you know, interesting to hear a little bit of the back a little bit of the backstory between uh, about central light finding its home there uh, and I think you guys sure. were founded back in the 90s, right? Yeah, we uh, Centralite as Centralite was founded in 1997. And uh, going back further, and this is one of the reasons we're in Mobile, 
is our founder, Jim Busby, also founded another company called QMS, Quality Microsystems, back in, I think, late 70s. Um, And they went public in the 80s and made a whole lot of money. And, you know, at some, at one time they had, I think, 1,200 or 1,500 employees here in Mobile. So back then, Mobile was very techy. And what's, what happened was, you know, Jim wanted to do something else. And so he, he left QMS and they actually sold to Conica Minolta. And, um, you know, him and his son Jimmy wanted to monetize this home system that Jim created for his own home. And so that really, was the founding of Centralite is in Jim Busby's house. And that house was here in Mobile. Plus, a lot of QMS employees came with Jim. And so even though Mobile might not seem like a like tech capital or anything, there's a lot of technical companies here. They're just not in the mainstream. So we're not Silicon Valley. Um, however, we can provide a lot of the stuff Silicon Valley does at a lot lower cost of living. We are right here on the coastline. You know, we have some of the best beaches around, uh, not to be a advertisement for Mobile, <laughs> but uh, but it's not a hard place to live in. I can tell you that. This podcast brought a- to you by Mobile Alabama <laughs> Chamber of Commerce. No, no yeah, and I, I, I'm a big believer in like decentralization away from Silicon Valley, uh, you know, in the sense that like you could be anywhere to start a company now. And you're right. Like you, as long as you can get access to quality uh, technology uh, employees or in w- whatever, in whatever respect you're going to put them to work. I think it makes a lot of sense. Right. And, and you guys being kind of one of these enabling technology companies, um, that probably matters to a lot, uh, to a lot of these other companies who want to bring products to market. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned, uh, you know, us not necessarily having the, the, uh, the pool of, of employees, but what we do have is we have some great universities around here. Um, you know, I was recently at Georgia Tech, which is right up the road from us, and we're able to work with them in multiple different, you know, uh, projects. And again, behind the scenes, and we have instant access to all of their students, graduate and undergraduate. Also, I, I came from Auburn University, and so we're working directly with them. They're actually doing a, a project using Jillia. And so we're able to take those and sort of, um, mold them. So you're, you're not going to have people coming out of school with knowledge of Zigbee or Z-Wave or even smart home stuff. And so now what we're able to do is not even have to get them interning here. We can get inside the curriculum at some of these, you know, great engineering universities and, you know, get them using the technology very early on. And then, not, you know, they might not come and work directly for Centralite, but they're, they're going to go to work for a company that probably could use Centralite. And if we do hire some interns, we typically keep them for a while after they graduate. And that's because they live here in Mobile. They have the knowledge that, you know, they're, they're learning during their internships. We don't treat interns as the typical interns. We actually put them on real projects with real work. And when they come out of it, you know, they're ready to go. And a lot of them just stay here. Now, Jimmy Busby, the son, is now the CEO. The, I think correct. I think Jim's still hanging around as chairman, right? He is. He's uh, chairman <laughs> and COO, and he's here every day. <laughs> well, awesome! Thanks for giving us a little bit of backstory of Central Light, and also um, enlightening enlightening us a little bit about uh, what you guys are doing with regards to you know Julia and uh, what you're seeing with regards to Zigbee, because I think it's interesting to get caught up on that. So appreciate your time, John. All right, thanks a lot, Mike. 
Well, that's it. That's my conversation with John Calgaz of Centroite. I always find guys like him who work at companies like Centroite who are doing smart home equipment for lots of different companies are pretty plugged in. They know what's going on because they're talking to everyone. John's a good guy. I think he's plugged in. I hope you enjoyed that. If you want to connect with me, do so on Twitter. It's always a good way to do it, at Michael Wolf. You can direct message me or just talk to me in the public sphere. And sometimes it may take me a day or two to get back to you. Not always the fastest Twitterer, tweeter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but that's okay. It's a great place to have a conversation. All right, folks, that's it for now. Hope you have a great long weekend. Talk to you soon.